This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Richard Flanagan, welcome back to Better Reading. Thank you for having me, Cheryl. It's like you're a bit of a regular now, and I'm I'm enjoying that. <laughs> so Richard, as many of you know, is considered by many to be the finest Australian novelist of his generation. Published in 42 countries, each of his novels has attracted major praise and received numerous awards and honours. He won the Booker Prize for The Narrow Road to the Deep North and the Commonwealth Prize for Gould's Book of Fish. His last novel, the Living Sea of Waking Dreams was one of my favourites, and it truly was, Richard. Do you know when you're reading a book and it's at the right moment, that book was at the right moment for me in my life. Oh, well, um, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, really moving and beautiful, beautiful read. Anyway, this book is quite different. It's nonfiction. It's called Toxic, and it's an expose of the salmon farming industry in his home state of Tasmania, and it's set to become a landmark book of the 21st century. It kind of, you know that I love food, you know that I love cooking, and it really scared the living daylights out of me, actually. Well, I got quite frightened myself when... I began writing this. I mean, I only set out to write a small article and I kept on meeting person after person, and these were brave people um, because it's difficult to speak out against the salmon industry here. It's it's run on a culture of silence and fear and it's quite bullying and intimidating and so that it, it takes a lot of courage. But each person would tell me yet another shocking story. I began to um, research it more deeply and every stone you kicked over was another tale of horror. And I was horrified at what was slowly coming into focus as I I found out each fact and then I I started putting them together and then stepping back and looking at this jigsaw puzzle that was arising before my eyes. It was of a, a rogue industry that essentially had marketed... That's Richard's bird in the background. What's his name? Herb. He, he gets jealous of me talking to other people. That's that's um, Herb's a great companion, but he, he's often out. I, I just let him roam around the garden and um, describe to our listeners the kind of bird. What is he? A parrot? Well, he's a galah. One of my daughters found him in the bush when Gorgeous. he was fledging, fledgling. He'd been knocked out of a nest, and um, she couldn't find the nest and brought him home and hand breeding. And he sort of bonded to me, which is which is a companion of sorts, but he does get very jealous. And um, there have been times when he's flown onto the keyboard and he deleted a whole chapter of one of my novels. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> no, if that was one of your children, you'd kill them. But because it's a bird. Uh, so, so he sounds... <laughs> oh, be quiet. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm loving that. Anyway, now I want to talk about. Oh, so so just to go back to this yeah. idea of, yeah. um, of just how astonishing what I was discovering was. I mean, I discovered that salmon was effectively one big lie that had been trading on the beauty and wonder of Tasmania when all the time it had been destroying that very same beauty and wonder. I discovered it wasn't clean, it wasn't green, and um, it wasn't even very healthy. And many of the claims it makes are highly exaggerated. And the more you looked at it, the more you, or the more I looked at it, the more it became apparent. It's a highly synthetic product made up of many things that I don't think consumers would be so willing to embrace were they told about them. Up to a third of what most Tasmanian salmon are fed is just ground-up remains of industrially produced chicken. So it's the, the mashed-up guts, heads, beaks, claws, the uh, pulverised feathers, and just straight chicken fat. 10% of feed is just chicken fat. You know, okay. So there's ads at the moment saying replace you know, replace your chicken with salmon. You, you don't have to worry when you're eating salmon, you're eating chicken. Now, for some, you know, some people might say that's not a problem. But if you're a pescatarian or, or if you're thinking you're making an ethical choice, you're not because some of that money you pay for the salmon is used to help support um, the cruelties of a factory farming industrial um, poultry industry. There's so much about this. I mean, what, what people, one of the really clever ways they've marketed is I think a lot of people in mainland Australia have this idea that there's, you know, some handsome bearded fellow in a, a beanie sort of reeling in, you know. Well, that's what I want to... After another off the back of a, a, a wooden fishing boat. That's it's what a, I want to talk about because I feel that I'm a, a consumer of food and I'm aware. Like, you know, I think about what I buy. I think about, you know, I often go to farmer's markets. I'm very careful about what eggs I select and, you know, I always, you know, opt for the organic chicken and all of those things. So I really believe that essentially the flavour of food comes from what it actually originally is. And also when it came to seafood, I mean, you know, and I'm right by the, the fish markets here in Sydney, I would only ever buy Australian. And when I looked at salmon, I would only buy ever buy Tasmanian. I mean, just until recently, I didn't even know about this. And I feel that I'm a consumer that is aware, that is looking for alternate sources. So I feel really duped and I feel lied to. And this has just come as a shock to me. I, I think it's coming as a shock to a, a hell of a lot of people. You know, it contains things like, I mean, it's artificially dyed with a yeah. A petrochemical derivative called uh, astaxanthin. They use a huge amount of that to keep the colour of the fish, you know, a ruddy pink. Without that pigment, the fish would be a dirty grey. And when they first started growing salmon in an industrial fashion in Norway in the 70s, they actually tried to market it as ivory salmon. And, of course, that failed because people didn't want to buy a sickly grey flesh. So then they looked around for dyes and pigments that might simulate the uh, the colour of natural salmon. In fact, yeah, that's herb. <laughs> that's the galah. Uh, well, actually, if you look at herb, if you see that pink in it. In uh, the bird, yeah. That's derived from natural foods, you know. But what they use in salmon is derived, derived from a petrochemical and it, it's 
you know, it, they advertise it as what they call nature identical. But it's only if the salmon were out there drinking petrochemical distillates, which salmon in the wild don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a lot. We're going to get rid of the parrot, the vocal galah. He doesn't, he's <laughs> wanting Richard's attention. Okay. Okay. He, um, he's Locked in his room. <laughs> well, no, no, he's outside in the tree now, but he comes knocking on the window to be let back in. <laughs> so he doesn't fly away. Um, he does sometimes, yeah. In fact, just comes yeah, back. Yeah. well, no, no, no. Well, then I have to go and find him and climb trees. And you know, as I'm approaching my dotage, you know, my, my sense of vertigo and terror increases. <laughs> and also, you have to talk to him before he'll come to you. So, you have to you, you, you become this sort of idiot fixture in your own sort of suburb where you, you, you're seen sitting in trees talking to birds. All right, now back to the salmon. Do you know, I couldn't help thinking of the coal industry and the mining giants when I was reading that book because, for me, they're great big evil characters. You know, they're people that have stolen our land to make money out of it. But as it appears, the salmon industry is doing the same in Tasmania. Yeah, they're they're locking up the seas and these areas, these are very important to Tasmanians. Tasmania's actually not a rich society on on every metric. It's the poorest state Mm. uh, in Australia. But what it is rich in are these natural wonders. And people here love their coast, love their sea, love their fishing. These these are very important to them, you know, and they're being systematically locked up and the ecosystem slowly destroyed. So people start seeing beloved bays, beaches starting to slime up at certain times of the year, their bays and coves starting to fill with green filamentous algae. And I'd strongly urge your viewers after this to go to the monthly website where there's a marvellous film which was made as a companion piece to this book by the celebrated director Justin Kurzel, and you'll actually see footage of what goes on. The worst destruction, all this is just the the destruction that's washing into shore, but the worst destruction is actually happening underwater where people can't see it. And what happens is that the marine ecosystems are slowly being flipped and destroyed and all that extraordinary diversity and the marine diversity of Tasmania is as marvellous as its terrestrial diversity, that's getting wiped out too. Well, and also you, you talk about it poisoning the waterways, like the drinking water. Yeah, well, that's to me this was... Completely extraordinary. So the the salmon industry grows, you know, the, the, the first stages of the salmon are that they are, they are grown from eggs in hatcheries into small fish known as smolt. And um, they have these hatcheries principally on the drinking water catchments of Hobart and the, and the Huon Valley. So the drinking water catchments that supply water to nearly half of Tasmania's population are now having massive nutrient outfalls, along with a lot of antibiotics from aldehyde and things like this. And uh, as one scientist said to me, one of the many dirty secrets of the salmon industry is they're actually turning the principal drinking water catchment of Hobart into a series of sewerage settlement ponds. I mean, these places, the sewerage they produce is phenomenal. When the Storm Bay expansion is complete, that's just one big expansion, that storm base sits on um, one side of Bruny Island. That will be the equivalent of having a city of 3 million people on the side of Bruny Island pouring their untreated sewerage into that beautiful 
beautiful day. Anyone who thinks that can happen without consequences is a fool. And if you put a city there, you know, uh, there would be all sorts of rules around that to ensure there wasn't destruction. There are no rules around this F9. So is there a sustainable salmon that we can buy? There's no sustainable Australian salmon, Australian Atlantic salmon. There's a species called Australian salmon, which is an Indigenous species. That's a different thing. But if you're buying, see, Atlantic salmon is not an Australian fish. And, in fact, it can't actually survive in Tasmania. This is another thing. It can only survive in these massive industrial floating feedlots which are like septic tanks full of faeces and ammonia in which the fish are crowded in hundreds of thousands. And they can only survive in there by a whole lot of heavy industrial inputs. And when they get too crowded, as is the practice with the biggest companies, by using a lot of antibiotics, flooding them with antibiotics, there's, a, there's actually a huge stock loss of about 10% every year. There are outbreaks when tens of thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of fish actually slowly suffocate to death in this filth and murk. Mm. Um, in Macquarie Harbour in 2016, I think over a million salmon died in this torturous, cruel fashion. We have no idea how many wild fish died around there because of the ecological collapse that was happening in consequence of the salmon farms. Mm. So is it the same for trout outside of Tasmania or that's handled differently? Um, I, I can't speak with any no. of about oh, okay um, all right i mean these things are specific i should say when you were talking about the coal company just before Herb started to grow enraged about climate change I, I um i mean the real issue here is that you know companies exist and that there, there, there's nothing dirty or wrong about this but companies exist for only one reason to make money that's that's what they do you know like if government still allow for children to be put up chimneys, we'd have an app for it, you know, and you'd be able to get some children to go up and clean your chimney. The reason we don't have children up chimneys isn't because companies are kind and good. It's because as a society, we decided this was a wicked thing and we wouldn't allow it. And government doesn't allow it because we feel that's a wrong and bad thing. And it is the same with any industry. And the problem with the salmon industry, ultimately, the companies have gone rogue, but they've been allowed to go rogue by a complete failure of our politicians of both major parties down here, and none of them have the courage to rein them in. And now they're presented with actual threats to our drinking water. In the case of Storm Bay, there was compelling scientific evidence that they ignored that there would be heavy metal remobilisation in consequence of putting these salmon farms in. Now, what that means is that mercury, which historically had come down from factories in Hobart and then got embedded in sediment, so it was there, but it was inert and outside of the ecosystem, this would now be remobilised and it would, in the words of the scientists, bioconcentrate up through the food chain into the higher order fish. Now, this is one of the most popular recreational fisheries in Tasmania. So... You're talking about the possible mercury poisoning of people who go out and fish and eat wild fish. Again, these seem to me to be very serious issues. Now, why the politicians continue to think this isn't a problem, why the politicians continue to refuse to address these issues is beyond me. But, of course, if our politicians don't, 
Uh, the companies won't because there's no incentive in it for them. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What do they sell at the basis on? Is it is it they're saying that the industry is good for Tasmania? I mean, is it job creation? Is it I mean, I often find with these big companies like the mining companies, they give such little back. It is really all about profit and greed. It's exactly about profit and greed. So the industry, you know, that they're claiming in response to this book their thousands of workers. As best can be established, it's about fifteen hundred direct employees. Now, you know, Tassie's a little place and those jobs are important, but let's put it in perspective. That's less than 1% of the Tasmanian workforce. That means 99 out of 100 Tasmanians don't work for the salmon industry. You know, if you look at just one company, say Federal Hotels, which is a tourism and gaming company here, pre-COVID they employed over 2,000 people. That's just one company. So it's not a big industry at all in terms of employment, but that's the only argument they make, that it employs a lot of people. It doesn't. Related to that is this argument it employs people in regional areas. So there's some depressed regional areas where some of their operations are based, and they say they're a big employer there. But, in fact, they are always... It's a very technology-intensive and heavy industrial-intensive industry, and it's always about job shedding. And, in fact... And the book details when one of the, uh, the principal council of the regional area where the industry is located, the Hewan Council, actually put in a submission to a parliamentary inquiry about salmon farming, pointing out that there were less and less jobs for unskilled and uneducated workers in their region because the salmon companies weren't employing that. They employ more educated, qualified people for specialised technical roles, marketing roles, sales roles. You might not know the answer to this, but, you know, like say, for instance, this is now being exposed, hopefully that they're starting to feel a bit more accountable. And if we look, you know, go back 10 or 15 years, you know, we were all eating caged eggs and now we're not, that we're more aware, uh, we're making particular choices when you purchase food. Do you think there's a way that they turn this around? I think it... I think there is a partial. I think there's a partial answer if the government and the industry have the courage to go there, and it will demand the government take action. And that is to go to land-based farming. Land-based salmon farming is the revolution that's happening around the world. 
It's the great disruptive technology. Um, so they're actually now growing Atlantic salmon in Saudi Arabia, in the desert, in the United Arab Emirates. Tasmania this year will produce about 80,000 tonnes of Atlantic salmon throughout all its different um, coastal sites. But just one farm is going in in Norway, and this is the place where salmon farming was born, that will be 100,000 tonnes. So they'll be producing 120,000 tonnes more than all of Tasmania on a 100-hectare site. So with a stroke, if you go to this land-based technology, you solve, you, you solve all the problems of marine pollution and the destruction of marine ecosystems. You also solve some of the significant problems of animal cruelty. So down here, uh, you know, if you look at something like um, the fur seal, in South Australia, uh, you'll be fined $100,000 if you kill one. In Tasmania, the salmon farmers are allowed to throw seal bombs at them, to shoot beanbag rounds from riot guns, point-blank range at them. Um, there are anecdotal reports of seals being regularly blinded and maimed with this. Uh, they use water cannon. They're also allowed to shoot them at a last extremity. In 2016, um, over 39,000 seal bombs were thrown at seals. These ha have huge damage to the seals. They're also the, all the evidence from overseas suggests that these have a very bad impact and effect on whale and dolphin populations. And certainly anecdotally, the dolphins are vanishing, the whales aren't coming around areas that are heavily farmed like the Dontracasto Channel anymore. Whales and dolphins can actually feel the impact from seal bombs up, up to 118 kilometres away. And for that reason, seal bombs were banned in places like uh, the USA's Pacific tuna fishery because of the impact they were having on the whale population. Do you so, think so all this animal mm. and so you mm. can go to land-based and that would address a lot of the issues. If there was proper government regulation, they would be trying to get them out of their addiction to fish meal and into algal-based omega-3 supplements. I mean, if we talk about omega-3s, the omega-3s come from the fish meal, the salmon effect. So the salmon in the wild is a magnificent creature. It's a top order to predator. It lives on other fish and also crustaceans and crabs. Originally, when they farmed salmon, they just fed them on fish meal, which is just ground-up fish, which basically comes out of oceans in the third world. That's a whole other problem. But that mashed up fish meal, to stabilise it, they used a chemical called ethoxyquin. Now, ethoxyquin was invented by Monsanto in the 1950s as a pesticide. Its other principal use is to stop rubber car tyres cracking. But every time you eat salmon, you're eating ethoxyquin. Now, ethoxyquin has been associated with cancer in animals. I was just about to say, and we wonder why we're all dying of cancer. Um, I, I should say that um, the salmon feed manufacturers say that they're within the EU limits of um, 150 milligrams of ethoxyquin per kilogram of feed. But when you look at what the European scientists are saying, they're clearly very concerned. The, um, the eminent Dutch toxicologist uh, Hendrik Tenneke suspected that a toxicin could influence the brain development of human fetuses. It accumulates in the fatty tissues of humans. It can lead to chromosome breakage and it's detectable in human breast milk. 
Victoria Bono, a Norwegian scientist with Norway's eminent um, National Institute of Nutrition and Seafood Research, was actually tasked by them to investigate ethoxyquin, and she made European headlines in 2015 when she said she would no longer, uh, she no longer dared to eat farmed Atlantic salmon because of ethoxyquin. According to Professor Edmund Mesa of the Department of Toxicology and Pharmacology at the University of Kiel, ethoxyquin can, and I quote, be mutagenic and toxic. You need to eat a lot of farmed salmon to reach those levels, but people who eat a lot of salmon can reach them. Also think of children and people with less body weight, for them the limit is lower, unquote. And so, uh, you know, uh, for mm. that reason, it was banned as a food additive in the EU in 2017, and it's also now banned as a food additive in Australia, and yet the salmon manufacturers are allowed to feed it. So the- what's the short-term solution, Richard, is that we just stop eating it until they listen, until they change their farming practices? Do you think? I, I'm, I'm not in the business of telling people what to do. No. Uh, it's for, I, I would just urge people to read this book and make up their own minds. And it's for them to choose, for them to decide. You know, some people don't care about these things. And, and if they don't care, well, you know, who's to tell them what to do? But read the book and um, make your own choices. That would be. But I would say, read the book. Read mm. the book. Richard Flanagan, thank you so much for your time today. I need you to go out and get the galah because <laughs> I'm worried yeah. about where he might be. Yeah. Um, really eye-opening book. Honestly, it has just been, uh, as I said earlier, such a shock for me, but also so informative. The book is called Toxic, and it's out now. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of ebooks and e audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.